0: Father, help me preach your word. Jesus, thank you that you were anointed to come and bind up the brokenhearted and to help those who are afflicted. Thank you what the book of Acts says, how you went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Lord, I thank you that although you are in heaven, your ministry to do good and heal and set free have not stopped. You continue to do that and you'll do it through the church, but you don't need us. You'll use us. Above all, Lord, I'm asking that you'll put your hand on your people, that they would hear your loving, kind, and powerful voice, the same voice that could speak to the wind and the waves and tell it to cease. Lord, would you speak into the lives of your sons and daughters and command the winds that are coming against them to cease, that they will marvel more at the one in the boat than at the storm itself, that they will say, the God who has the world in his hands has my life in his hands, and he can do everything but fail. Lord, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, as the word of God goes out today, may everyone's faith increase today on what you can do, especially when we see what we can't do, and even when we see what we used to do and what we have done and how it falls short. We need you. We need a word from you. And I'm so glad you stand ready to speak, even through lips of clay that need much grace. So speak, Father. Have your way. Set somebody free today. Encourage them that you're with them in the midst of their affliction. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 Our writer of Psalm 88, a psalm that has no word of praise in it, no word of thanksgiving in it, is a worship leader named Heman. Yes, Heman was a worship leader, but as we'll see, he was afflicted. He was a believer in God. How many believers in God we have here? Any any believers in God? Any born-again folk? Amen. This man was an Old Testament saint, yet he was still afflicted. Uh, He wrote songs for God, yet he was still afflicted. He was appointed by Israel's greatest king, King David, yet he was still afflicted. He had a good job working for King David, and he oversaw the Ark of the Covenant coming into Jerusalem, one of the highest moments in the history of Israel. He led that service, yet he was afflicted. He had a lot of good friends on his right and on his left who were also in the worship ministry with him, yet he was afflicted. And because of that position, there came with it power, money, and fame. Yet he was still afflicted. And not only was he afflicted, he's going to say that his affliction came at the hands of God. As we've said before, if you don't want real, you don't want this series. You don't want this psalm. If you don't want real, if you just want religion, this isn't for you. But if you want to be real with God, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is for you. This is for me. Look at Psalm 88 verse 7. He says, your wrath lies heavy upon me and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Selah, which means pause. Stop. Think about that. What what I just said that you have afflicted me. Then look at verse 9. He says, my eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I've stretched out my hands to you. And then in verse 15, he says, I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. So today with your prayers, let's talk about when God afflicts you doesn't sound right. Doesn't seem right. When God afflicts you. Now, before we even jump into the text, I want to let you know that you have a Messiah. You have a Savior who is the high priest who connects us to God, who gets us to God. And The Bible lets us know that we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So so you may tune me out. So so you know, I, I got 30 minutes to hit, but if, if you leave me, stay with me on this first part. That you have a God who understands what you're going through. So when we talk about affliction, the Bible says two times in Isaiah chapter 53 that Christ was afflicted for us. He was afflicted. And guess who afflicted him? It was our sins, but also his father afflicted him. So we're gonna deal with that a little bit today when we're going through things and and we're asking, God, why are you afflicting me? Why is this situation afflicting me? But if you can hang in there, you'll know that God uses the affliction for a reason and for a season so that you can grow and trust in him because anything that causes me to pray more is a good thing. Anything that causes me to lean in on God a little bit more Is a good thing, even though it hurts. So hang with me. To be afflicted means to suffer pain. And pain comes in all shapes, sizes, and categories. But when you're afflicted, that means you're suffering pain. And everybody goes through pain. Pain is no respect of persons. No matter your race, your gender, your class, your political, your denominational, your educational, whatever affliction is gonna come knocking on your door because we're fallen people who live in a fallen world and there are fallen devils and so affliction is real we all suffer pain and the Hebrew word for afflict means to lower it means to humble so when I was doing my study this week I'm like that's it (laughs) that's all the word afflict means to lower to humble as I began to pray and reflect on it, I began to think about the fact that when you feel afflicted, you feel like not only have your, has your life been lowered and humbled, but it feels like you're going through something. Here it is. That's trying to break you down. That's being afflicted. Something's trying to break you down, to lower you, to humble you. You've been afflicted and life is trying to break you down. And we saw that Heman mentioned three times that he was being afflicted and I'm just gonna look at those verses, make a couple of points, and if the Lord allows, maybe we can pray at the end of this service. First thing we see is in Psalm 88 verse seven, when Heman said, you have afflicted me with all your waves. He said to God, New King James Version capitalizes those pronouns in association with God so that we don't get it uh, twisted. You have afflicted me. So he's saying, God, you are the source of my pain. God, you afflicted me. You are the source of my pain. So here's the question, which is why it's good to have a little bit of theological understanding. Did God afflict human? Because he said, you afflicted me. Did God do that? And here's the wonderful, deep, rich theological answer. And the answer is yes and no. (laughs) That's the safe way to protect yourself. (laughs) Yes and no. God allowed it indirectly, but he did not do it directly. Yeah, that's deep, isn't it? He allowed it indirectly. And he did not do it directly. Why am I saying that? God is the ultimate source of all things, even our pain. But he is not always the immediate source of the pain. Okay, still not getting through. Let me try it this way. In the book of Job, when we are going through affliction and suffering. We like to read that book. And there were things going on in the heavenly places that Job had no idea was going on. There was a conversation between God and Satan. And Satan's thesis against Job was, God, if you take away everything from him, if you afflict him, he'll curse you. And God says, no, he won't. He's an upright man. And so God gives the devil permission to touch Joe. Because Satan says, your hand is protecting him. And so God says, okay, I'll let him go into your hand. My hand is over all things. But Satan, your hand can directly touch him. My hand, which is over all things, which is sovereign, controls what you do. But you're going to do it. Because God, let let, let me stop right here and say this. God did not create evil directly, but indirectly he allowed evil to manifest. So Satan went out and he touched Job with his own hands. And then later in chapter 2, there was another discussion where uh, Satan said, but if you touch his body, he'll curse you. And so God once again said, he's in your hand. But the only reason God let him in the devil's hand was because God's hand was sovereign over it all. So our theology, our understanding of scripture must be that God is in control even when things get out of control and he will use, he will allow evil to visit us even though he's not the author or the creator of evil. He allows evil. So the God who allows evil will in time use evil to accomplish his purposes. Okay, so you're going through something. Because I'm saying all that to say it's dangerous to blame God. It's dangerous to get a hard heart towards God and say, Lord, because you did this or you didn't do that, I'm upset with you. Now, again, we know he's in control of all things and he allows certain things. But to say that he did it, we need to be careful with that. We need to fall back on this reasoning that the God who allowed the evil and the affliction will use it to accomplish his purposes. Because we know what Job didn't know at the time. We, we see what he lost in chapter 2, but we also read what God restored in chapter 42. So the same God that allowed the hand of the enemy to come against Job for a purpose is the same God who had to work on Job before he blessed Job in chapter 42. You know, everybody's talking and running their mouths for the next 38 chapters. And then God has to show up and all the earth has to be silent now. And he even has to rebuke Job because in Job's righteousness, he became self-righteous. And then God says, "Uh, I'm going to bless you. But first, got to pray for the people that hurt you, the people that gave you bad counsel for 38 chapters. Pray for the people who afflicted you. Because as we'll see, being afflicted doesn't give you a right to afflict other people or withhold grace from other people. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your friends who hurt you. And once you pray, I'll release a blessing for you. Some of our blessings are tied up because we're tied up. There are things that God wants to release, but we haven't released some stuff. (laughs) He wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we don't have room enough to receive. But our hearts are closed up and we haven't forgiven folks and we're holding grudges. And God's like, you're hindering the flow of what I want to do. Release them and I'll release this. Some blessings are conditional upon our obedience. So forgive. Forgive. Let God bless you. Pray for your enemies. Pray for people who afflicted you, because I'm about to go there in a minute. Okay, so keep that in mind. And God blessed him at the end with double than what he lost in chapter two. A lot of us quit in chapter two because we got afflicted and we curse God. That's what his wife said. Just curse him. Just just turn your back on him. He was like, can we not receive good from God as well as evil? So he's like, I'm not going to curse God. But what he did do, he cursed the day of his birth now. He's like, no, no, I'm going to cuss. But I'm going to cuss when I was born, man. Because it was hard. It was hitting him. But God ended up giving him double for his trouble. Can you hang in there long enough to get double for your trouble? (laughs) Can you wait on the Lord? I think Elder Joe said it now. When he does stuff, he, he knows how to bless in abundance. But you don't even have room enough to receive the blessing. Your boat is sinking, man. You, but hang in there and fix your face and fix your attitude and forgive. Oh, 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 boy, thank you, Jesus. All that was free. I didn't mean to say all that. That was just free. <laughs> you see, the God who allowed your affliction intends on using it to make you better and stronger. There's always a purpose in the pain. God just doesn't do stuff to just hurt you. Now, God is doing stuff to help you even when it hurts you. So that's why we got to trust him. My daughter lives in Brooklyn, New York. And when we went to visit her, uh, we went to a pizza shop there. And this is one of them authentic pizza shops. Now, they say the best pizzas in Chicago. But man, I tell you what, I rolled up on some pizza in New York City. And, and they have the dude uh, kneading the dough in the window. That's how they do it there. They, so you can see how fresh it is. He's up in there beating that dough, pounding that dough. Because there's a purpose in why he's be- He's just not beating up the dough because he don't like the dough. <laughs> he's beating the dough with a purpose. Then he thins it out and throws it up in the air and all that stuff. Because he has a vision for the dough that the dough doesn't even have for itself. But it involves afflicting it. That's somebody's word right there. Eh? You're being afflicted, but he's using that. Uh, Okay, when I was growing up, I used to get baseball gloves. I used to play baseball. And when you first get a baseball glove, it's very stiff. So what they tell you to do is sleep with your glove under the mattress, get some oil, put it on your glove, and then just beat the glove, pound the glove. And you'll see guys doing it over and over again because if you don't pound it and afflict it, it can't work the way it's intended to work because it's too stiff. So if you feel like he's pounding you and and anointing you with some oil, he's he's trying to loosen you up a little bit so you can do more things for his glory. But not only that, we used to get steaks growing up in Baltimore. Now, I grew up in Baltimore. My mother fried chicken eight nights a week. And uh, I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Uh, But every now and then, (laughs) we'd have a steak. And it wasn't the ribeye or the New York cut. It was that cheaper steak. Now, we didn't know it was steak. That's all that mattered. You know, where you can get like half a pound for $2. We had steak. But my mother would season it up and she would take a mallet. Y'all don't know about this. And she would tenderize that tough meat. <laughs> She afflicted the meat (laughs) because there was a purpose in why she was beating it. She just wasn't beating it because she didn't like it. She was softening it up. You ever get a new pair of shoes? You got to watch yourself because if you try to step out with a new pair of shoes too quick, (laughs) you might slip. Because they're too loose on the bottom. They're too, too smooth on the bottom, rather. So what you got to do is at home, you, you, you scratch them on the pavement or you take a knife and you cut the bottom and put some grooves there. You got to afflict the shoe so that you can stand. And God will afflict you so that you can stand strong. So if you're going through something, just say, "Ah, oh, he's perfecting me. He's working on me. There's a reason for the affliction. So, Haman said, Lord, you have afflicted me with all your waves, and all the waves mean that one thing is crashing on me after another thing after another thing, and I feel like I'm drowning, God. You ever had one of those days where one string of bad news after one string of bad news? You run out of gas or somebody hits your car, or the police pull you over, this, that. I mean, it's just one thing after another. This email, that email, this phone call, that phone call, this person, that person. It's kind of like Job's day. If you go back to the book of Job, all this stuff happened to him in a day. On the day they, they came and said, somebody stole your camels. Somebody stole your sheep. Somebody stole your oxen. And the whammy was, your children were sitting in the house and the wind came and Satan can control the wind. He can control elements. The house blew down and all your children died. And I'm the only one to escape to come tell you. Shaved his head, fell down and worshiped God and said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan said, God, can can I hit his body? Because if I can hit his body, okay. So another day. Paul calls this in Ephesians 6, the evil day. When hell is aiming at you and and coming at you. And that's where we got to say, I don't want to think it's strange of the fiery trial that's trying me. That's what first Peter says. Don't don't think that is strange. God is up to something. If we believe he's sovereign, and he's going to use it. I don't like it, but he's going to use it. And I'm going to get to that place where I can say, Lord, I thank you for afflicting me, because without afflicting me, I wouldn't have known your statutes. That's what Psalm 119 says. So Haman's like, God, you afflicted me and I'm drowning. But The good thing about God is that he's a good lifeguard. He won't let you drown. He won't let you drown. Now, he might have to get some of that kick out of you, though. Because I am told, I I don't go out deep enough to need a lifeguard. I can swim, but I don't play with it. Let the church (laughs) say amen. But I heard, if you go way out there and you start to drowning, a good lifeguard going to let you go under. Because if you out there kicking this stuff, they're going to come out, but they're going to give you some space. They let you get all that kick out of you. Because ain't no need of that lifeguard moving in to save you and you elbow him or her upside their head and they fall out, you fall out, two people and drown. I'm gonna wait for you to get that kick out of you. Mm -hmm. And God is like, I'm here to rescue. But stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to fix it yourself. When you humbly say, God, I can't do it. That's when God says, I got you. That's what we want. He's the savior, not just of your soul, but of your situation. Let him save your situation. God, I need help. He's there. These waves, these, they're crashing on me. He's there to help us. The emotional waves, the financial waves, the personal waves, the spiritual waves, the medical waves. Lord, they hurt. But I love what we see here. I love what we see here because we see in verse nine now, in verse nine, he says, my eye wastes away because of my affliction. The eye, the eye. He he says, uh, I can see, but my vision is not clear because of my affliction. My eye is wasting away. And and, and I can't see clearly because of my affliction. His affliction hinders how he sees things. He views everything through his affliction. I'm going to say that one more time. He views everything through his affliction or through his pain or through his wound. So therefore, he is not fully objective because his vision is distorted because of his affliction. God understands, okay, that's real. But we got to be careful because it's not always right. Because now he's viewing God, people, and himself through his affliction. My eye is wasting away because of my affliction. And until you can get some help from a professional to help you deal with your affliction, because we all need counseling at times when we have these kinds of afflictions. And, and until we can get some help, let me give you some wisdom so that you don't view everything. Because a lot of times, listen to this, because we've been so afflicted, we sabotage our relationships. We sabotage our own life because our eye is wasting away because of our affliction. We can't see the future well because of our pain in the present and what happened to us in the past. So we sabotage things and we tear down our own houses and we become our own worst enemy and we need some help to fix that. I'll talk about that in my third and final point, but until you can get some help, do your best not to make a major life-changing decision while you're afflicted. Don't just walk out, walk away, Leave the job, leave the state, leave the church, divorce. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Catch your breath, breathe. Don't make a major decision in your affliction, especially if you haven't gotten some help for your affliction, okay? Another thing, do your best not to afflict others out of your affliction hurt people hurt people so we do that because we're falling okay so when it's brought to your attention that you've hurt someone out of your pain apologize become vulnerable I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that but I'm saying though when I'm afflicted or I'm working with people who've been afflicted grace sometimes is not what we readily embrace because we find our identity so much in our affliction and in our wound, we don't want grace because grace is here to liberate us and set us free from the affliction. But if I really don't want to find my identity in Christ and be freed by his grace, I hold on to my affliction. And those are miserable people like Solomon, everything's vain under the sun. Another car won't fix it, another house won't fix it, another relationship won't fix it, more alcohol won't fix it. The only thing that will fix it is when you go to the mender of broken hearts and you look to the one above the sun so that you don't stay under the sun and be miserable because of your affliction. Walking around like that donkey in Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore. He had a cloud over his head every way he went. Eeyore was afflicted. Eeyore needed counseling. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Pooh couldn't help him. (laughs) But here's what I love, though. Here's what I love. Here's the beginning of getting set free. Here it is. He owns the affliction by saying it's my affliction. He says in verse 9, my eye wastes away because of affliction. He says in verse 7, you have afflicted me. I have been afflicted, verse 15, it's my affliction. In other words, I'm not denying that I'm hurting. Yeah, because when we're in denial, we can't get healed. So you're afflicted. We all know you're afflicted, but you won't get healed until you say, I'm hurting and I'm afflicted. Why? Because Dr. Jesus, only helps people who are sick. That's why the Pharisees missed him, because they thought they were well. But the sinners, the fishermen, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, they knew they were sick. Jesus could help them. But it's the religious, churchy folk. I'm not afflicted. Oh, it's the Holy Ghost. He got me. Yeah, he got you, but you're sick. Jesus wants to help you, but you have to say, I am afflicted. Because if I don't confess the wound, no one can dress the wound. I've got to confess it in order for it to be dressed. If I never confess it, the wound will never be dressed. Can you say, God, I am not this afflicted, but I am afflicted with this? Now, let me tell you, God, I am not this affliction. My identity is in Jesus. But Lord, I need your help with this affliction, the bitterness, the rage, the pain from my childhood, which moves into our third and final portion from Psalm 88, verse 15, where he says, I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. If you have ears to hear, please tune in and hear me today. An affliction can occur in your childhood. This adult, this man of God said, I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. So something happened to him, something traumatized and terrorized him when he was young, that he's been carrying into his adult life. Thank God for his honesty, because we know he's not by himself. And if you haven't been afflicted some way in your youth, you're very fortunate. But many of us experience some kind of affliction in our childhood that is still affecting us today. This is why we need a good counselor. Because a good counselor will hear where you are, be able to process it, and take you back. Take you back to those places you don't want to go to. And unlock those doors. You don't want unlocked, But in order to get well, you got to go back before you can go forward. Because we got to uncover where the pain, the pain you're suppressing. That you locked in those doors that you don't want to address. Yet alone confess. The counselor has to take you back in order to take you forward. You got to go through some landmines and some pain in order to be set free from it. That's what a good counselor does. And, and the action point from this sermon may be, I need to go see someone. Because something happened to Heman as a youth and it afflicted his soul. Watch this. He doesn't say what it was. He doesn't say what it was. But neither do most young people who were afflicted when they were younger. Talk about it now. He doesn't talk about it. Was he abandoned by his parents? Because that can leave an affliction in the heart of a child. We don't know. Did he come from a broken home where there was a divorce between his mother and father that affected him? We don't know. But it's possible. Was he in a home where he was abused and he was thus afflicted in his soul and he's still struggling with it as an adult? We don't know, but it's likely, it's possible that he could have been in a home where he was verbally abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, physically abused, or even sexually abused. Did Haman have a father wound? I don't know, but many of us do. And a father wound is when your father hurts you deeply. Many times intentionally. Well, your father, the one who's supposed to Rear you up and protect you, hurts you. And that's why some of us struggle with God as father, because of what our earthly fathers did to us. And we just can't rectify this. We can't work it out. And because of the affliction, people become agnostics or atheists. Because how can I trust a God who allowed me to get hurt like this? because of the affliction not getting healed properly again they bleed on other people who didn't wound them they 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 hurt other people they they're taking out their pain in ways that are not healthy and when someone has a father wound a lot of times it happens because the father has abandoned the family he shames the children he abuses the children or he may even abuse substances like alcohol and drugs and it's tough living in an environment when there's an abusive, authoritative figure. And sometimes we have fathers that do all those things, including abusing mom. So when children grow up, and, and, and I don't know all the stuff that happens in the brain and, and all the things that Mona and our uh, medical folks can talk about, but there's certain chemical things that happen in the brain when you're younger because of trauma that sit there. And impact us when we're adults. And we need help from God. And we need help from professionals to help set us free. But I want to say this to anyone who's listening today. And you came out of a traumatic home as a child. I want to let you know that what happened to you as a child is not your fault. What happened to you. What you experienced, what you felt, what you saw is not your fault. So don't bear that shame. Don't bear that burden. It's not your fault. If someone took advantage of you and molested you. It's not your fault. As I learned from Dr. Mona, your wound is not your fault. But your healing is now your responsibility. It's not your fault. But get well now, because with the living, there is hope. You're alive. And you're a survivor. See, that's one thing I love about Heman. This brother went through some stuff, but he's resilient. He's still alive. And if you're alive, there's still hope with you. And as we sing many times when we sing that song, don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. Because it goes into the final portion here where he thinks about taking his life because he says, I've been afflicted and ready to die. From my youth, in other words, I was ready to end it all when I was young. I I was it would have been okay if I would have died when I was young, because some afflictions cause people to take their life or wish their lives had been taken. Which is why we don't understand, you know, what happens in the urban community when guys. Kill other guys. It just don't happen in urban communities. It happens in many poor communities around the world, around the country. A lot of times we we, we get on the people who commit the crimes and not on the ones who create the darkness in those communities where the crimes are committed. It's personal and systemic. But a lot of times when you don't care about yourself, you don't care about other people. If you don't care whether you live or die, you don't care if somebody else lives or dies.